0: It's time realizing you get there, being able to get under. Trish Forrest, one of the best in the, in the league, and they're up and under. Once again, Clemson, South Carolina is court-storming country as the Tigers knock off the Seminoles 70-69. to
1: This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You have Matt Smith here with you. And there is rain all over the state of South Carolina. And that is why Clemson has gone ahead and moved up its game against the College of Charleston in baseball. Looking to improve on that 9-2 mark. More on baseball just a little bit later on. But the focus today will be on football and specifically the NFL draft. I love having... Scott Wright from NFLDraftCountdown.com on with us whenever we can to talk about the draft prospects. I don't know that anybody has a better handle on what scouts are thinking, you know, kind of laying out the difference between evaluators and then also the history of of why teams do the things that they do. So we'll go into all that with Scott Wright. Our special guest from NFLDraftCountdown.com. Also, Clemson has a basketball game tonight, and so much importance tonight for Clemson. Um, they've got Virginia Tech. Former Walford head coach Mike Young is on the job now in Blacksburg, and that's where Clemson's gone ahead and headed up. As you're listening to this, they have already made it there, and there is just a lot for Clemson left to play for. Um, The ACC, as you know, a tough neighborhood, but a big game um, because, for one thing, look, you don't forget these things if you're a player on the team, if you're Amir Sims, if you're John Newman III, if you're Tevin Mack. You remember, you lost earlier in the season to Virginia Tech. Now you feel like you're playing well. Since that time, you've beaten Duke. You've won on the road at Chapel Hill for the first time in school history. You've knocked off Florida State. You've beaten Louisville. So, after losing 67 to 60 back in November to Virginia Tech, you feel like you're a different team. So, two ACC games left to go, two regular season games left to go for Clemson. You don't want to drop them both and finish 15 and 15. If you split, you're a 16 and 14 team and 10 and 10 in the ACC. But, wow. Clemson could finish as high as 5th in the ACC this season. If they closes out, if they close this out strong, so that's just so important. Also, look, they're probably a real long shot to make the NCAA tournament. Currently, number seventy-two in the net rankings, but the resume is strong. Wins over Duke, wins over, uh, win over Louisville, Florida State. Anything is possible. So, you want to get to sixteen and thirteen. You want to get above the five hundred mark in ACC play. The game's on the ACC network. Tonight, and it would be such a feather in the cap of Brad Brownell and Clemson if they could knock off the Hokies and avenge that loss from earlier in the season. And Alamir Dawes playing his best basketball of the season, coming off an 18-point outburst against Florida State. John the third matched that output at 18 points. So, just so many storylines coming together for Clemson uh, against Virginia Tech, and they need this one. And the baseball team, under Monty Lee, they need it as well, uh, looking to knock off the College of Charleston and get to 10-2 and two on the season. And we talked about this uh, early on. Uh, In in the baseball season, you know, back in, in early February about how important it is for Clemson at this time of year just to stack up wins. You just want to keep putting hay in the barn because this ACC schedule is a monster this year with teams like Louisville and Florida State and Wake Forest and NC State on that schedule. You just want to stack up wins where you can. Big ups for beating South Carolina the way they did taking two of three. But later in the year, you don't want some four to three or six to five losses in ACC play to cost you a chance to hosting a regional. So stack up the wins now and be one of those teams that is ranked highly, thought well of, and then even if there's a dip somewhere in the ACC schedule, be it at the beginning, middle, or end, you can overcome it. You can absorb those losses at that time and still be a team that hosts, which is key for Clemson. You want to be playing at Doug Kingsmore Stadium in May because this is a team that has not advanced under Monty Lee. And all early returns are, the talent is there. This is a club that can do it. Yeah, I know the bottom of the lineup has to come around, but look at those arms. I keep talking about it. The five arms for Clemson. Sam Weatherly, Davis Sharp, Spencer Strider, Matt Clark, Carson Spires. You're rolling out five of the best arms in all of college baseball. And that's what Clemson needs to to focus on. That's who they are, which means they're going to stay in a lot of ball games. When the bats heat up as the weather warms, you're going to be in all those games, and some of those 5-4 wins are going to be on your ledger. So stack them up while you've got them. You know, chance now against College of Charleston to beat them before the rain hits. And we'll review it all when we come back on the Locked On Clemson podcast. We'll be with you tomorrow to talk about the baseball final. But now let's focus on the combine. How about the the future NFL stars with Clemson? I love having Scott Wright on the show. Scott Wright, nfl dot We're talking Isaiah Simmons. We'll talk Tanner Muse. We'll talk John Simpson. We'll talk Kayvon Wallace. We'll talk A.J. Terrell. And even former Clemson Tiger, Tavian Feaster. And where he may land, is he a free agent? Is he a draftable commodity? A former Clemson Tiger gets into the discussion with Scott Wright, NFLDraftCountdown.com. We'll have Scott join us on the show when we come back. It's your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Clemson. We have got
2: Scott Wright NFL Draft Countdown joining us now on Locked On Clemson. And I've trusted Scott for a long time. Not only is his site great in terms of the percentage that he hit in these mock drafts and how accurate they've been historically, but also the insight with which he writes about why GMs are looking at certain players to fill certain needs. And I've learned a lot about the draft just from talking to Scott over the years. And so now is a great opportunity since I don't know. Isaiah Simmons sets the combine on fire. Tanner Muse runs a sub 4-5-40. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Clemson Tigers. So we would reach out to Scott. Scott, how you doing? And how, how are things at NFLDraftCountdown.com? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me. It's, it's a fun time of the year. Uh, the All-Star Games in the books
0: now, the scouting combine in the books. Uh, the picture's starting to come into focus a little bit now.
2: All right, well, let's go top down for Clemson. Um, Isaiah Simmons, I think for me, I wasn't surprised by anything that he did, but the stories are out there almost as if writers and scouts may have been a little bit surprised, but his athleticism really showed on film. But the question becomes, you know, he's already a top 10 pick, so could he even help himself by doing what he did at the combine?
0: Yeah, I mean, we kind of expected him to work out like crazy. That was kind of baked into the cake with his grade already, but it's still very impressive nonetheless i mean to to jump like he did to run like he did add his size and and to me the most impressive thing about simmons is all the positions he played this past year i mean he played inside linebacker he played outside linebacker he played safety he played outside corner he played slot corner he rushed off the edge i mean talk about a guy who literally did it all on defense on all three levels uh so, yeah, I mean, he, he's a, a hot name right now, and there's talk that he could go as early as four to the New York Giants, and that would be a fit from a knee perspective for them. But I just – I have a hard time seeing that just because it would be unlike that organization to go that route. They traditionally haven't prioritized linebackers that early, and uh, I tend to think they're going to go in the trenches, probably offensive line, maybe a defensive line. In, but, but either way, Isaiah Simmons isn't escaping the top ten. I think the two most logical fits for him – in the top 10 would be the Arizona Cardinals at number eight, who just had a terrible time covering tight ends this past year. And Isaiah Simmons would, would solve that problem, lickety split. And then maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine, but I keep coming back. I wonder if the Las Vegas Raiders, and it still feels weird to say Las Vegas Raiders, but I wonder if they might try to trade up a few spots to get Isaiah Simmons, if he's still there at eight or nine. Uh, he's exactly what they need. Mike Mayock, showed a clear preference last year for clemson prospects all the guys they brought in um and and it just seems like a perfect fit and they have the draft capital to move up they don't have a second rounder but i believe they have three third round picks so i think those are the teams to watch out for isaiah simmons but no question one of the hottest names of the draft and a guy who has a ton of fans in the scouting community just because he's such a unicorn
2: well I, I can't say Las Vegas Raiders with a straight face right now. That sounds like something you created on a video game. But we'll get used to it eventually, maybe after it, it's called out on draft night. Now, for me— I'm still look, saying San Diego Chargers. I, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> no question. No question I'm San Diego Chargers. So, uh, Isaiah Simmons, he's a guy—you know, it's a shame Bill Parcells is still drafting because he would jump all over a guy like this, which also talks to the football side of what Isaiah Simmons will become— I was talking to a a former coach today who said it would be a waste if he went somewhere and they kind of saw him as one thing. He's the kind of guy that his versatility has to fit into your organization. You have to have a defensive coordinator that understands what to do with a chess piece with a Swiss Army knife like Isaiah Simmons. He needs to go somewhere uh, where the defense is versatile and a coach on the defensive side who can think outside the box.
0: No question. And that's where his value is, his ability to basically play a different position every week, depending on the matchup and how you want to utilize him. And and to me, the perfect coach for him, it's not going to happen, but the Patriots. I mean, that's what Bill Belichick is known for. Uh, Belichick, what makes him so great, or one of the things that makes him so great is that he's not married to any one particular scheme or, or approach. He'll do whatever it takes to win. If that means playing a 3-4 one week and a 4-3 the next week, he'll do that. And uh, he would certainly know how to utilize Isaiah Simmons. So, yeah, absolutely. To get the, the full value out of him, you're going to need a, a creative defensive coordinator who's willing to think outside the box a little bit because um, he's going to bring something to the table that very few, uh, if anybody else in the NFL, brings right now.
2: All right. Now, on the offensive side of the ball for Clemson, they have T. Higgins, great catch radius, to use one of the buzzwords out there from from the draft. And here's a guy who I think, has been moving up boards because when I first started hearing about his draft, Gray, he was like a fringe second-round, first-round guy. But I know you've got him going number 22, and I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts follow your lead there. So what do you see about Higgins? Was it something that came out, or is it just kind of the needs of those teams on the back end that looks like Higgins is going to go in the first round?
0: Yeah, he, he is very much on that fringe, and I'm working on a new mock drafts. I'm leaning towards having him maybe fall out of the first round And that's not necessarily anything against him. Uh, He didn't run at the scouting combine, and that's the big question teams want to get answered with uh, T. Higgins and how fast is he. Uh, But I think teams might be looking at it. This is not only a great crop of wide receivers, it might be a historically great crop of wide receivers. And I just wonder if the teams might wait a little bit and take advantage on that depth. And specifically for a guy like that, T. Higgins is a great player, but rather than taking him late in the first round maybe you could get a, uh, a Chase Claypool in the third round from Notre Dame or a Denzel Mins from Baylor uh, for in the second round and, and could go on and on. I mean, there's going to be big receivers available later on, Michael Pittman from USC. So I wonder if that might work against him a little bit. And and he could still very easily go in the first round. There's no shortage of teams in the back half of the first round that need help at wide receiver. Uh, the Raiders, the Eagles, the Bills, the Saints, I think, are definitely looking at a wide out, uh, maybe the Packers. So, uh, there's potential landing spots, but I just wonder if not only Higgins, but just the wide route group as a, a whole might slide a little bit just because teams know they're going to be able to get basically a second round value in maybe the fourth or fifth round this year. That's how deep it is.
1: All state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Locked on Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're talking with Scott Wright, NFLDraftCountdown.com about where some of the Tigers will land, who showed out, who made themselves some money at the Combine. And now, you know, with Isaiah Simmons behind us, we know what he thinks of T. Higgins. How about the next crop of Clemson Tigers? Who's next coming off the board? Here's Scott on a Clemson Tiger that flashed in the pre-draft process.
0: I think a guy to watch out for is AJ Terrell, the cornerback uh, guy who I think really helped himself in the scouting combine by running a four-four-two. There were some disappointing forty times in workouts from that that second tier of, of of cover guys, but he was one of the exceptions. And that's another position. There's a number of teams in the back half of the first round that are looking for help there. Uh, I, I think you look at uh, the Raiders, uh, another team, the Jaguars certainly, the Eagles maybe, uh, the Vikings. So. I think he could be in play for all those teams, uh, maybe the 49ers and Chiefs at the end of the first round. So uh, AJ Terrell, that that was a position where I was still a little bit unsettled with my rankings. And it's not that guys were going to move up multiple rounds or down multiple downs, but it was just kind of uh, separating within the tiers. And that second tier, there was four or five guys kind of jockeying for position. And I think AJ Terrell made a really strong case for himself to be that third corner off the board after Jeff Akuda from Ohio State and C.J. Henderson from Florida. And, and if you're the third corner off the board as opposed to the fifth corner, that might be the difference between being the 20th pick and the 35th pick. So uh, I think A.J. Terrell is a guy that people hadn't really been talking about uh, very much, but I think he helped himself and moved
2: up. Well, he didn't help himself with the performance in the national title game. But, uh, you know – those are two NFL receivers that he was trying to track out there and of course he was in one-on-one situations almost the whole time so almost no one would have success in those circumstances so take us inside the mind of a scout you know how much do they weigh uh, you know the the whole body of work over 3 plus years for AJ Terrell versus a performance where he was going against some top tier talent and didn't perform well
0: yeah. I mean, you're talking about a number one overall pick at quarterback and multiple first round picks at wide receiver. That was a very high degree of difficulty. And, and I think scouts and evaluators are going to take that into account. And, and also you, you can't place too much in one game. You have to go back and look at the, the, the quality of his entire college career. So so it's definitely a bit of a concern because obviously he's going to be going against top competition like that on a routine basis in the NFL. But, but ultimately, I don't think it's going to really impact his draft stock. But even though it's
2: not the way you want to want to end and go out. Here's a question about your website, nfldraftcountdown.com, and I've asked you this before, but as you evaluate, you're evaluating talent, then you're trying to evaluate need, fit, and in your mock draft, you're trying to guess what some of the general managers who might overrule their scouts are also thinking. And, and I guess I'm just wondering, when you do that mock draft, how much do you weigh, like, okay, the Browns always screw this up or the Dolphins or the Redskins always screw this up. So I think they should take this player. The scouts would say they should take this player, but I kind of feel like this organization always goes this route.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's two approaches you can take with mock drafts. You can do it either from the perspective of what you think the teams will do or what you would do. And, and I've always taken the approach of, I try to do what I think the teams will do. Uh, Cause I'm trying to be as accurate as possible and, and and there's definitely areas where, man, if, if I were the team, I wouldn't do that. But that, that's probably what's going to happen based on what I'm hearing and, and based on the landscape. I think that's what they're going to do. But but that's one of the fun things about mock drafts is, is all those factors that go into it. It's kind of like this big puzzle that you're trying to put together and, and make the pieces fit. Uh, so so I think that's one of the attractions of mock drafts. But but no, I definitely always try to go with what I think the teams will do and And along with that, you take into account the types of players that the teams tend to favor. I talked about the Giants earlier about how you can make a strong case for Isaiah Simmons at number four, but just historically knowing Dave Gettleman, their general manager, knowing what that organization prioritizes, I think it's going to be an offensive lineman like uh, Makai Becton from Louisville or Tristan Wurst from Iowa.
2: Do you have another example of that uh, maybe in the first round somewhere or, or, or somebody you're looking at and you just know what the scout's thinking, you know what you, you think as an evaluator and you just, you can't believe that so-and-so is not being talked about more highly or you think there's a reach in the first round, somebody that's being talked about that you know is a reach?
0: Well, and some are easier than others. I, and going back to the Giants again, last year I identified Daniel Jones as the Giants type of quarterback many, many months prior to the draft. I mean, it just fit. And the reason it's easy with the Giants is because their organization and their mindset hasn't really changed much in the last 20, 30 years as a whole. And then on the other side of the coin, you have new decision makers. So I'm really intrigued to see what Matt Rule is going to do with the Carolina Panthers because we don't really have a track record there. We don't know what he's going to prioritize. Uh, last year we had that with the Raiders and Mike Mayock and John Gruden. I was very interested to see what kind of approach they were going to take. And now I think we have a little bit of uh, uh, an M.O. for Mike Mayock and the Raiders. Uh, he's going to value guys that that were, uh, that that were have high intangibles, uh, maybe even over physical tools. He wants guys that are going to be uh, contribute not only on the field, but also kind of set the tone uh, for off the field and in the locker room. So uh, I, I think the Raiders now, we have a little bit more insight on, on how they're going to approach this draft. and. And that's why I think, you know, they're looking for a linebacker. Certainly they're looking for a wide receiver with one of their two first round picks, but they're also looking for a linebacker. And I mentioned Isaiah Simmons, maybe trading up for him, but if not, I think they could be looking at Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma or Patrick Queen from LSU at number 19 overall. And it's kind of a one A one B type of situation, but I'm airing a little towards Murray just because his intangibles are just out of this world and he's interviewing extremely well. and, 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 and that's what the Raiders are looking for. So so I think the Raiders are another example uh, where, where we kind of know they have a type, if you will.
2: <laughs> the website, NFLDraftCountdown.com, it's a great layout, all kinds of great information. I've trusted it for years. Scott Wright is our guest. All right, Scott, a couple more questions. One, what about Tanner News? Because even Dabo Sweeney said, middle of the year, he thought he projected as an inside-the-box player. But the 40 times suggests maybe he plays on the back end of the defense. But he didn't run the shuttle drill, the cone drills, which that's the concern with him is the hips and whether or not he can cover an open space, which seemed to be uh, his Achilles heel collegiately. So there's a lot of questions about Tanner Musa. How do you evaluate him as a player? He's smart. He's a good tackler. You want him on your football team, but where does he play?
0: Yeah, kind of that classic tweener. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? But anytime you run a 4-4-1 four, four, at six-two, two hundred twenty-seven 227 pounds, it's going to open some eyes. And and I had him as an outside linebacker in my rankings for uh, since the fall, and, and I think that's where he's going to be. And and it's a good time to be a player like that. Even though he is undersized, teams aren't as concerned about that as maybe they were 20 years ago. The days of those big physical in-the-box stumpers, they're long gone. You need guys who can run, have the range to go sideline to sideline, and can drop into coverage. And I think Muse offers a lot more value as a linebacker than he would as maybe a borderline safety. So. Um, I, I, and at the very least, I think on day three, you feel like, well, I'm getting a backup and a guy who can excel on special teams. And let's face it, day three picks, their their key to a roster spot is going to be playing and excelling on special teams. So um, but prior to the combine, I think he was kind of on the fringe. I think he might have gotten himself drafted with that workout because that's the type of modern day linebacker teams are
2: looking for. Well, I know you go really deep, and I was digging in deep into all of your rankings, which is one of the reasons I recommend NFLDraftCountdown.com. And how about a former Tiger? Last question. Tavian Feaster, who transferred out of Clemson into South Carolina, came in as a five-star recruit, and he's one of those guys who seems like the prototypical NFL running back because he has great hands, he can run routes, he's big enough, and he has top-end speed. But the production wasn't really there collegiately. So how do you think the evaluators and the scouts look at a player like Fabian Feaster, who kind of in workouts, looks like he should be an NFL running back. But when you watch the film, it doesn't translate.
0: Yeah, I was surprised he wasn't at the scouting combine. He was actually one of the, I think, 10 players I featured in my scouting scouting combine snubs article. Uh, a guy who, like you said, didn't, didn't necessarily translate those physical tools to the field consistently in terms of production. But I mean, he absolutely looks the part. He's going to run really well at his pro day. And and he had a great week at the East West Shrine game. Uh, he was definitely a standout there. So I was surprised he wasn't invited. I, I think it just comes down to a number game. Uh, there's so many running backs. I think we had 20 underclassmen running backs come out just by itself, the And there's 20 running backs on average drafted every year. So it, there's a lot of competition at that position, and there are a number of good runners who, who, who didn't get an invite to, to Indy. So I think he's kind of in that, that late-round mix, but, I mean, it's one of those situations where he could end up being a better pro than college player, especially if he lands in the right situation and gets an opportunity. Uh, and that's so much what happens with the running backs, whether you're drafted in the second round or the seventh round or you're undrafted free agent. Uh, it, it comes down to opportunity. And, if he, if, for example, if he ends up with a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who knows what could happen in that offense, uh, and he's allowed to compete. Uh, or he could go to a team in the fifth round where he gets buried as a third running back and you don't hear from him. But um, I think he's going to be more of a late day three pick, but I certainly think he's a, an intriguing runner in the, the back end of the draft. And that's the thing, too. When you, when you get towards the back end of the draft of running backs, you're usually looking at, well, he's probably either a career backup or maybe he's a situational change of pace type runner. He doesn't have the size to be in every down back. I think he offers something different in the in the aspect of, you know, he's got frontline physical tools and there's some untapped potential there. So I think he's gonna be intriguing. You get in that sixth, seventh round, and there's very little difference between being a sixth or seventh round pick and a priority free agent. Now, a lot of times it just comes down to the draft order and uh, whether uh, well, what the teams are looking for. So uh, he's got a chance to be drafted, but uh, I, I think he's gonna be an intriguing guy late rounds, priority free agency.